Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. All right, welcome back to the CIS podcast. This is our second try at this. We appreciate you coming back for more. Uh, you know, like a lot of the companies, so at the end of the calendar year, we take a little time to think about what happened last year and talk about what's coming up in the next year. And uh, so we have a, a company blog posting. Some of the uh, big thinkers at CIS put some, put their ideas together, and uh, that's available to you. We'll make sure you have a link to that. Uh, today, Sean and I are going to you know, offer you a little personal perspective on some of the things that we think are important, uh, uh, echo some of the themes that you saw there, and maybe bring in a few others that are of particular interest to us. And so I think we all uh, have the same feeling about 2020. Um, uh, the, the phrase that often gets used is a year like no other, and I think that's, uh, we hope that is true. Um, you know, and I, I, just as a kind of a catch-all for what happened, I mean, I think what we saw in 2020 was this thing that's been building up for some time, a sort of a mass, I'll call it a convergence of social issues with cyber issues. So, what, you know, we knew the election was going to be a big deal and all the swirl of things and the technology issues that go with that. But, you know, uh, a year of pandemic, you know, all the social media things, we get to close out the year big with the solar winds and one of the biggest supply chain uh, issues of all time. And so there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of this year was about, you know, we like to talk a lot about resilience in this business. Well, our resilience was certainly tested in the last year, right? How are we going to adapt the way we do work, how we manage data, how we support people and all that. So, um, you know, a lot of that kind of thing, I think, really drove our thinking. Uh, anyone, so so we did a similar uh, uh, write-up last year about predicting what was going to happen in 2020. Please don't go back to look at it, because my guess is, <laughs> like everyone else, we didn't catch all the things that were going to shape our lives. So we'll do better this time, we promise. Uh, so we're going to start off, and, and if you don't mind, Sean, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, because, so I know you had a big year. Uh, already planned, right? And a lot of it was about uh, risk management, about the enterprise, about good decision making. You know, we're we're a security company, but we're also an IT company, right? A very large, diverse, uh, complicated, you know, modern sort of company. And so you had lots of plans and lots of things that you were going to execute. And then here we were, you know, early in the year, shifting to an entirely work from home, and then a lot of things. So tell me a little bit about sort of the what your thinking was, but more importantly, how you adapted to it and yeah. what you think might carry on into the future. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, so like the best laid plans from twenty from 2019 into 2020 was, you know, like you mentioned, risk management. So identifying gaps kind of in our infrastructure and in our controls assessment, obviously mm -hmm. applying the CIS controls, you know, what could we do better? And so there was a nice neat plan. It was around data management. Obviously there's privacy requirements that needed right. to be integrated. And, you know, January, February, we got we got going. And then obviously in March, we, um, mm -hmm. I guess agility comes to mind. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we, obviously, we have remote work, you know, remote workers. Mm -hmm. and But it was the scalability and the sustainability of, let's say, the underlying business model to allow us to do that work efficiently, right? Can we run CIS from a remote perspective? And... Mm -hmm. Really with our IT um, implementation, our underlying uh, foundational infrastructure, we were, you know, it was, 
it was an easier transition than I thought. Um, and then what also popped up again from, you know, kind of a risk and crisis management perspective was, you know, everybody was producing the pandemic response guide, you know, people with best practice, what we need to do with the pandemic now. Right. And then the underlying issue, you know, March into April is how long is this going to last? You know, we had obviously right. no idea. And so we internally, from a risk management perspective, said, well, let's tabletop some scenarios. Let's do right. three months, maybe six months to a year. And, you know, we end up now in 2021, looking back at 2020 and saying, wow, that was, we did some pretty good things, to be honest, um, in terms of uh, the best laid plan may not have actualized itself the way I thought, obviously. I'm not sure there was many predicting and understanding the requirement for crisis management and disaster at that level from, you know, from the internal network and the internal personnel perspective. Again, because it's two sides of that coin. It's both a technology and a person issue, you know, as we move forward. And so it was interesting. You know, we, we moved forward. We, we uh, allowed and adapted, improved our controls. Um, you know, we went through a SOC 2 assessment um, and it was, it was obviously wasn't as what we expected. You know, we wanted on-prem assessment and review and now we're doing remote and walkthroughs and things of right. that nature all in, you know, in a, in a way that allowed us to adapt. And I think another important point here, and one that just took me back and I'll leave you this with this, Tony, is, you know, if this happened 15, 20 years ago, I... I you know, I can't think of the response mechanism. You know, the internet has allowed us this capability. And it's, uh, you know, I, I'm scared to think about way back when, but, you know, obviously we have to be looking forward. And again, using that of the 2021 blog and, and what we expect uh, this year, uh, some interesting points were made by a lot of uh, very interesting and knowledgeable people. Yeah, Sean, thanks for that that run through. Yeah, you. I know you already had full year planned. And so the ability to adapt to that uh, agility was the right word. I really like that. You know, when I talk about the shift for, for CIS as a company, uh, I, I say, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing that really over a, a long weekend, we shifted from a primarily traditional company with some work from home to essentially an entirely work from home company. And uh, yeah, people did heroic things, but what made it possible was the prior year's work. You know, that is, sort of planning the good IT, the capacity management, you know, having uh, the people in place, but also all the, the policies and sort of the infrastructure that allowed us to do that. Now, we didn't predict needing to do that, right. but, you know, and we were doing that for all kinds of reasons. But I think that was that's what really struck me is that, and the lesson that I think others could take from that, right? You know, and everyone knows this, planning ahead is really important, but, you know, it's so hard to make the, the time, the resources, the energy to dedicate to that. So I think that's a big part of it. So, so Sean, you know, so that that you know your heavy-duty thinking and all the work you mentioned SOC two and all that, you know, I think one of the big trends that got mentioned by a couple of folks at CIS was this whole role of uh, enterprise risk management. I, I've been calling it the mainstreaming of cyber, right? It's moved from uh, gee, what's the best technology or the tool or the threat feed I can buy to what's the impact on decision making. And, you know, over the last several years, I mean, you know, you and I have both been around long enough to see now the rush of uh, auditors and law firms and uh, insurance companies, right? These are all the mechanisms of society to manage risk. And to and so I think what that tells those of us that are, we see ourselves as practitioners of security, right? So uh, some people are um, uh, 
troubled by that. I'll say, you know, people who sort of grew up, you know, in, in my my generation. Oh, and I, I could I could tell you many times I've heard this conversation. When the lawyers get involved with cyber, you know, they'll ruin everything. <laughs> but you know, the reality is, um, we, we need these kinds of social mechanisms, right, to help us uh, deal with risk, to make not perfect decisions, but better decisions, right, and to understand what should be regulated, what should be encouraged to the market, and so forth. So I looked at this and said, yeah, it's not the easiest transition, but it's the one that makes sense. Any thoughts about the all these issues? That you, so you have to deal with all these sort of sure. risk issues, insurance, yeah. um, the uh, third party risk. I mean, are you flooded with s surveys and, and all that stuff? And we have to ask, you know, yeah. our potential suppliers for all this kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, we've we've seen a, a real true shift to I kind of put it into multiple areas. You know, there's uh, and none other than exemplified, but what we saw at the end of 2020 um, was this move towards knowing who you're utilizing in terms of a vendor, product or service, open source. Right. And so what we've had to do in that space is understand, you know, criti criticality, obviously from a huge perspective of what makes our infrastructure run appropriately, right? And right. that has its connotations for where the controls applied, but it's not just our controls that matter. And I, right. I, we have to reflect solar winds here is, you know, let's say, let me give you an example, Tony, is let's say three months ago, four months ago, we were doing an assessment, let's say one of the third party uh, risk assessments. So, so it's a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. right. What we're doing is tailoring that to the particular form or function. You know, we can't send the same questionnaire to everybody because it doesn't apply. It needs to be tailored in some manner. But if I'd sent that four months ago to SolarWinds and gone through their processes, I don't know that I would have seen an issue, you know, because right. maybe the problem is now, I now know the right questions to ask because of what we've seen, if that makes sense. And so that now informs now vendor risk management. We've got our supply chain security and looking to not only, you know, our first level suppliers, but second and tertiary and trying to then push, um, you know, those controls and what we, you know, would deem a security throughout our infrastructure and throughout theirs as well. You know, there was pushes to do that that I'd seen in DFARS 252, 204, mm -hmm. 7012. And this was NIST 800, 171 government-related, controlled and classified information. And then this is pushing those requirements all the way through the supply chain. And it's it's difficult, you know, it, being able to understand and, you know, how do I trust but verify, but only through a questionnaire? It, it's, uh, it's a very interesting proposition. Uh, and the others obviously have weighed in in terms of, uh, you know, zero trust and managing consortiums of uh, providing that type of recommendation uh, in those spaces. Um, yeah, I think that, so, yeah. that uh, you know, what it highlights, right? And, and you know, anyone in security says supply chain fairly regularly in, in any conversation. Absolutely. But anyone who's had to live it, you know, and you give some examples of that, uh, it's so complicated. And it's not a one-time decision, it's a ongoing process, Correct. right? It's complicated, cascading decision-making. And I think one of the lessons, and maybe this is one of the things that will come out in, in this next year, is that no no one company can solve this, right? These are not even sort of right. like within the industry. There's a whole sort of ecosystem of, you know, regulation, but also market incentives. And we need a way. That, you know, I, I, I've often said we're gonna we're gonna crush small businesses, for example, with the weight of these kinds of questionnaires or instruments yeah. or and so forth, right? So, and you know, 
every one of them pops up from maybe a, a company or like the DOD, for example, not too many like the DOD, but, you know, has the ability to sort of impose a set of requirements. Many others are not, right? And they're sort of patching together or use, reusing something. But this idea of so much energy spent just on the asking the right questions, gathering the right data and presenting it for, for assessment. And uh, there ought to be some more national level thinking or industry level thinking about that, right? Because that's that's a lot of that is frankly wasted work and it's not very helpful. It doesn't scale, it doesn't transfer, it's not negotiable across, you know, different suppliers and so forth. So, right. I, you know, if there, if there's a happy uh, outcome, that might be one of them, I think, in, in the, uh, bringing to that, you know, there's, I think that's also, you know, this sort of big event things um, can drive a lot of thinking. And, you know, there, there's always this cascade of, you know, whatever the big hack of the month or the quarter was, right? You know, the, the Greek course, I call it the Greek course of vendors are all, you know, if they had my product, you know, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's true, but it's not very helpful sort of at, at, across the system, right? right? You know, that's just not, not realistic. It's, a, it's fine marketing, but it's not realistic in terms of a national solution to the problem. Then. Correct. So uh, don't do another topic I'll, I'll bring up, uh, uh, ransomware. So several folks in our, and everyone talks about ransomware. It's been Absolutely. such a huge problem over the last year. And, and uh, there, there is no safer prediction you could make for 2021 than to say, we see ransomware increasing. So right. you know, no disrespect to anyone. Uh, well, well, of course, you know, that's where the money is. And I, I often say, um, if you want to see capitalism in action, don't look at the good guys, study the bad guys, right? So the, you know, the, the natural uh, specialization, right? You see the sort of uh, ruthless Darwinian uh, efficiency, right? You know, and it, we saw this earlier and you did, I know you did around botnets and all these spam nets and so forth, right? You know, it moves from uh, lonely hacker in basement, you know, causes something to happen to specialization. Why would I build tools when I could just buy them or get them open source? Uh, gee, I don't need a distribution network. Uh, gee, I don't need money mules. You know, I, I, I rent, I buy, you know. And so you see the sort of natural uh, uh, economic system built up, right, to support criminality. And so, you know, lots of people track that that for a living and, and so forth. So, yeah, so it'll grow. And we've seen some changes, right, in the maybe the tactics used by the ransomware folks. Uh, I, I think also uh, work from home has opened new opportunities for this, right, a lot more soft targets, sort of more dispersed, I mean, I can't imagine how school systems are surviving in this. My, uh, my, my daughter-in-law teaches in Baltimore County, and you, you may have seen that in the national news. Right? Ransomware attack essentially brought down the entire system. And I mean, the hours of recovery time just for the frontline teachers, that's what I'm observing. But then you see, you, know, you can imagine all the backroom work that's going on. So uh, any thoughts on, on ransomware? We, you know, SLTTs, we've seen you know, lots of, lots of things going on there, hospitals, schools, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you pick... I mean, obviously, the topic of 2021 and moving forward, you know, we could be predicting this five years out. Ransomware Absolutely. is so pervasive. And like you say, it's the capitalist uh, malware, you know, model that exists. So you're doing ransomware mm -hmm. as a service. So even if I've not developed the underlying code and the process, you know, I'm not developing this, but I can purchase and use it as a service in order for, you know, my own malicious needs. It's great and incentivized to bring out fear and to pay, especially if you think K through 12, you think hospitals, you think of all these government institutions, and we've seen that obviously through Atlanta and others, is mm -hmm. it's, right. you know, this time to respond is either I pay 
or basically I better make sure I've got offline backup in order to restore to a point where I wasn't infected. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, at work from home, it's, you know, you used to think of information security as maybe four walls with the occasional person on VPN outside of that. And that's, that's eradicated, you know, that there are no more walls. Your, your you know, cloud-based infrastructure has kind of taken that away and you're, you know, you're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of a daunting test to think of what kind of policies you want to put in play to manage that, as well as the underlying uh, training and awareness that ransomware is pervasive. And, and you mentioned, you know, TTP, you know, these tactics, techniques and procedures as, as we start to then implement, you know, underlying controls to prevent is it, it's too valuable for them not to do the research, for them not to think of the next way. Because it's it's where the money is, to be honest. And, yeah, I mean these uh, are economic uh, engines, right? These absolutely. Are, these are people's livelihoods, and so yeah. there's a. I know I've shared this quote with you before, but if you know the name uh, Sean Henry with CrowdStrike. Okay. So Crowd, yeah, yeah Sean was the first uh, cyber executive, I think, at the FBI, and he, he he was once quoted in the paper, and I I know him, and so I, it was so good I had to call him. <laughs> I said, "Did you really say that?" So here's this quote. I always say this is the quote I wish I had said first. So he he was quoted as this: "Anybody." in organized crime who's not getting into this, you know, cyber stuff, mm-hmm. ought to be sued for malpractice. <laughs> and it was like, oh, of course, I had to call him. And he said, oh yeah, of course I said that. Because why would you run into a bank, pull a gun and put your life at risk? You know, he goes, and even if you're not smart enough to execute cyber crime yourself, you're certainly mean enough to kidnap somebody and threaten them. Who can do it for you? You know, it's just, right. you know, he said that so many years ago, but it's, you know, it's where oh. the money is. It's the classic. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll see that grow. I mean, again, it's a, it's a safe one, but it's also, I think it's also, um, you know, started to help turn the corner on the conversation, right? It affects so many people. Oh, absolutely. So I had the same, I'm having the same feeling I did. Do you remember the release of a uh, security tool some years ago, Satan? Does that ring a bell? Okay, yeah. 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 So that that's the first time I remember, right? So most of us grew up, uh, who are old, grew up in this, you know, only geeky people care about security. Right. But Satan, actually, I think hit uh, Time Magazine or one of the big popular press things, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, the internet's going to come down. You know, it was a kind of a breathless thing. But I'm sitting in a restaurant with my wife, and the couple in the next booth is is talking about it. And they clearly are not technologists. But I thought, wow, we've hit a milestone here. You know, it's like part of the popular culture discussion. Right. And I have that same kind of feeling around ransomware, you know, that it's, you know, it's so – and people are, like, asking, what should, what should I be doing? You know, and they're just – befuddled right because it's so challenging to figure out and do we really expect local school systems or whatever to be able to defend themselves in this way so it's really i, I think it's opened up the the discussion about what's to come but I'll, I'll put in a plug also for one of my favorite nonprofits, the cybercrime support network which uh, uh you know, we'll, we'll send a link to that out also but you know they are very focused on the cyber business from the victim perspective and provide great you know, frontline materials for individuals and small businesses. So, so all that, is, I think, is, um, you know, part of our backdrop for the next year. Uh, you, you, know, you mentioned a couple of the sort of big things that people always drop, you know, uh, sort of new architectures or new technologies, zero trust, things like that. You right. know, what, what do you see coming out of there? Uh, there were some uh, ideas that popped up in the blog, but uh, you know, any, there any thoughts there? Happy yeah, to no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, zero trust is becoming, um, you know, kind of the, the new buzzword, as it were, of uh, right. can this solve our underlying problem? And and it can, but the perspective of zero trust is not just implement zero trust. It needs considered underlying architectural perspective behind it, and you work inside out. Now, if you can do that, 
and implement the underlying technologies of authentication, multi-factor, um, you know, everything that's tied to what zero trust would be and providing least privilege. Because we've got away from the, um, the, 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 the castle and the moat. You know, we, we don't have that anymore because mm -hmm. the drawbridge is always open because we've not configured it appropriately, right? It's Otherwise always you can't open. do any business. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always open. You've, you don't know who's coming in, who's coming out. There are underlying services that are enabled by default. Um, you know, you think of the IoT space, you think of just the expansion of really everything mm -hmm. that we've done. And we got to this place because it was incrementally implemented. You know, you're, you're implementing new services, new products, new capability. All of this over time has left this, I guess I'll call it technical debt in, in the end, or this underlying configuration debt that we need to solve. And it seems like Zero Trust is trying to, you know, let's set the new tone of what we're trying to do with your underlying system design from a security perspective. So start in, yeah, I think, work out. I agree. I think there, and yeah. many of the pieces, the sort of core fundamental pieces, right, our ideas have been around a long time. Absolutely. And, you know, and so and then so some of them are sort of tried and true and tested and, and so forth. But it's the, like you said, it's really the architectural thinking about this. And I, sometimes I joke, uh, we we actually no one designed the internet to be the economic engine for the 21st century, right? Absolutely. You know that that it wasn't. We stumbled into this capability, and so things got added, features, improvements. You know, the race of the marketplace. Yeah, if you were going to design, you know, our economic infrastructure for the future, you wouldn't have kind of started that way. But you know, here we are, and so there is a uh, challenge. It's also. You know, again, some of the ideas have been around, but pulling them all together and bringing the right sort of emphasis to it, you know, and like any new area, there's the hype cycle, there's the uh, incompatibilities, the vendors claims, right, the integration challenges, the transition issues. But I, I'd have to say, you know, overall, that that conversation, uh, you know, has changed in a positive direction. It feels like there's a lot more energy more things to look at, more products, more ideas, alternatives. And so I, I feeling like hmm, maybe maybe the time has come where some uh, some real progress could be made. I, I did review one of the reports from one of the national labs, kind of a summary of uh, uh, zero trust um, issues. And uh, when they talked about like principles of execution, number one was senior management has to be fully engaged and da da da. You know, and so I thought, well, OK, there's 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 hurdle number one, uh, but it's important, right? And the sure. more that to our earlier discussion, the more we see security as an as an economic must do, right? This is a part of our our livelihood, you know, the 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 service to our customer base, the management of our treasure, and you know, the way we create value and project it and share it, then I think that makes more sense, right? That that we have the opportunity to to turn the corner on some of these big, big ideas here. Definitely. So I think there's so, you know, the, the emergence of 5G, you know, those mountains written about what that will mean and you know, the, the different architectures that are possible, you know, with that. So again, I think there's so many exciting pieces out there uh, that we will have transition issues. So, I mean, that's just a given, right? No one's going to throw the internet away. And there are lots of smart people thinking about how to redo that, but I, I don't see that coming anytime soon either. No, I'm absolutely. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Sean. No, I'm sorry. I just, I completely agree. You know, we're, we, we've got an underlying foundation, right? It's set. We're not really going to change it in a considerable way at this point, but we can adapt and enhance and move this forward in a way that's you know conducive. Um, Nest 800, uh, 207, looking at zero trust. This is good as you know. Once we've got the underlying 
uh, principles in place, I think that allows us to move the agenda forward to create the underlying security that would be true zero trust, if you know what I mean. But, you know, some of the yeah, elements that yeah, you mentioned think, uh, are absolutely true. Part of that, and you know, this this does us all a service, right? When they right. try to sort all that out and try to find what's in common, right? And what are the key uh, architectural issues and opportunities, and how do we, you know, as as like any technology, as I said, they, there's sort of a rush to get in, and everyone markets to it, and may not have a consistent uh, definition of what it actually is, right? Exactly. But it all sounds pretty good, and then you find yourself with the drowning in these incompatibilities, or you know, so forth. Another topic that came up several times in our, our blog that people mentioned was the, the cyber workforce, right? How do we find them, grow them, the sort of uh, critical shortage? I mean, we've been talking about this for a decade or more, you know, about what what the nation needs here. It's a subset of the larger STEM problem. And I think um, I will say that, um, so, so you'll hear that emphasized in anyone who's talking about the next year. But, you know, so we're asking more in some sense from our educational system while we're reinventing our educational system, right, in, right. in response to the, the current pandemic. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, my, my touch into some local uh, educational institutions here is they're struggling just to find their right business model right now. Sure. And it's a bit of a, a challenge to figure out, you know, how can they tackle some of these sort of national level issues, right, of the increasing the pool, uh, grabbing people, non-traditional people to come into the to the business, looking at career changers, veterans, and you know non-traditional populations, and how do they bring them in? So there's a lot a lot of heavy lifting ahead. Uh, we've also seen in the last few years, um, I forget how many years ago this started, but the part of identifying non-traditional talent are, are things like competitions and capture the flag things, and you know things like that that allow you to find people who may have the aptitude but maybe not the technical background but the sort of attitude and cleverness and creativity to to compete and we've seen a lot of that i think uh, uh step up so it, i i don't see this though as the year we make the breakthrough <laughs> i think there's um you know there's so much going on in the educational uh, infrastructure that that they're just gonna have to deal with there there are some very good things going on you know a lot of great outreach programs and mentoring programs set up and uh, again programs to uh, appeal to non-traditional populations but you know, this, there, I think we're, we're going to be talking about the same kind of problems next year about, you know, we need more people, we need yeah. higher skill people and, and, and so forth. Um, any other, so one, one other thing I, I wanted to mention, Sean, uh, before we close out is uh, any thoughts you might have on uh, what I'll call the role of government. So a non-political statement is that anytime there's a change in administration, right, there's a lot of new players yes. in this. And, you know, I, 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 because my work has always been around the Beltway in D.C., uh, you know, that, that's of always of interest. A lot of folks don't care. But, you know, the way the government thinks of security does cascade a lot through the economy. And so we've sure. seen, you know, commitment, uh, seen announcements of the new uh, cyber czar, mm -hmm. um, some new players, some new energy coming in, some new funding, I think, is just starting to appear, right? Commitment for yeah. uh, big funding. And so I think there is another uh, Part of all this backdrop of the work from home and solar winds and all this puts new energy into this, right? Really highlights the national. This is a national problem that needs national attention. So, uh, you know, and I know you, you know, with this is uh, maybe less of direct interest to you, but I know that you you have to sort of think about these things because they affect the kind of uh, requirements we'll have or regulation or what our partners will expect and so forth. And so. Uh, any, any thoughts on the, the sort of role of government things or sure. what you think might be the impact upon us as it cascades down? Yeah, or no. What you think might be the 
administration might do. Yeah, I think, um, so the way I've seen, you know, appointing strong people in strong positions that are focused on the threat, as it were, and, you know, an understanding at the levels of government of what this actually means is, you know, you have variances in terms of the under, the understanding of what this, the capabilities exist. So you see right. solar winds and you see, um, you know, others that are used now as the examples in order to try and convey the message that there's a lack of funding, you mentioned workforce, how are we going to support, you know, building an underlying infrastructure, both from mm -hmm. our critical infrastructure, let's say, so the, the electric grid and things of that nature, all need attention because we've digitized a lot of these underlying services and the back-end requirements. And with that comes then the need to manage security appropriately and build a posture. And so I think, you know, we've seen you know, with the, the CISA, um, you know, the the elections infrastructure, very strong. Right. And it's unfortunate that we don't take those words, you know, to heart. And, you know, obviously there's, there's been consequences of those types of statements with administrations. Uh, and then you look to future administrations to see what that type of message is, because we need to be taking it seriously. You know, uh, to your point, Tony, with the workforce development and building that uh, as a STEM problem. Yeah, I think I, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg that said, you know, it, it's as important as math and English is to be coding, is to understand the new language of what we are dealing with, you know, through remote work, obviously through the pandemic, we've, we've utilized the technology in a way that we never thought we would have to, but we were put in that position. And it's worked great. You know, there's been obviously underlying issues that we've seen, and but as we push that forward and, you know, the digitization of government, the digitization of really our lives, it's uh, it's a paramount importance. And hopefully, you know, once regulation comes through, you know, are we going to see national level privacy policy that we've seen with CCPA? So that's kind of what brings me into these issues is where we look at privacy and privacy has seemed to have gotten such a a great perspective now in government, you know, GDPR in 2018 has brought that more to the forefront. You know, we're sharing more of our lives through these digital media, digital content, social media, and it's such a powerful platform that you have to think, you know, uh, accounts being hacked, as it were, with Twitter, you know, if we remember, you know, m many moons ago, is what is the consequence of that message? Because it's, uh, it's very interesting and it's so diverse, you know, it, yeah. it, reaches out into multiple areas um, that all require really the same thought processes. You know, it's access control, it's configuration management, it's patching, it's security, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think and your, your point is well taken. You know, the sort of thinking of the um, IT infrastructure as infrastructure, right. right? The way we think of bridges, right? And so the, the administration has made a commitment to that, right? And, you know, has already put uh, ideas on the table for funding. Right. And, you know, we have expectations of infrastructure, exactly. right? It's available to the public. Yeah. It has a certain level of safety, right? It has a, there's a regimen of a, of a, a building codes and inspection and so forth. Yeah. We don't expect perfection out of that. No. But we expect a certain level of competence, right? Correct. That's reasonable for the citizens to expect without having to become experts in those domains of safety and so forth. And so I think that is, you know, that is a trend, and I think that is a uh, an absolutely one you would want to encourage, right? That it makes sense in that sense. And there was a lot of discussion about, you know, as we went to work from home, right? The uneven availability of bandwidth, 
you know, to, to, to rural schools and so forth and the tremendous problems. And then, you know, it's a, uh, emphasizes the inequality, you know, of access to technology, which as, you know, we all know is really our future. So I think that's a great uh, a way to think of it and present it. So you know, Sean, I think we're going to um, we'll, we'll wrap up here and uh, remind people again, we were, um, uh, CIS has put out some, some in information from some of the thinkers at CIS uh, to, to share with you. We're always open to these kinds of discussions. Uh, we see a lot of excitement, a lot of challenges ahead. You know, we're, we're uh, you know, the, the, even the vaccines don't make the pandemic go away magically. There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of rethinking about policies and a lot of, you know, social discussion about all these kinds of things. Any last thought or, or idea that you'd like to leave with, with our audience? Yeah, but thank you, Tony. I think what we've got is, um, you know, I'd like to bring in some outside experts into our blog to talk about these Great. things, you know, from uh, mm -hmm. the third party risk management perspective, supply mm -hmm. chain. And it's like you say, it's really open a social discourse of now talking about these things and what makes sense, because it's trying to build those ideas through collaboration and, um, you know, working together and like one of our tenants, uh, debate and commit to something that allow us to move forward where we can all agree to. It's not going to be perfect like infrastructure, right. but it's got to be better than it is today. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be an improvement. So I think that's what we're Yeah, doing. a friend of mine who runs uh, another cyber nonprofit said, uh, you know, she said something to the effect of, we need fewer think tanks and more do tanks, right? Like <laughs> you know, some of these ideas have been debated for a long period of time. Sure. And it's not a matter of we need to create a new science, but we need to execute, right? And Absolutely. so there, and there are challenges. I mean, most of cybersecurity is more about operational challenges than about conceptual, you know, uh, ideas, right? We we have a lot of the, some of the smartest people I've ever met have, you know, really thought about all these issues of computer security and so sure. forth over the decades. So, yep, same thing here. So, uh, you know, so we look forward to some of those conversations. We'll bring in some guests if any of our listeners are uh, interested in any particular topics we're always open to hear about that and uh, see if we can work that into the schedule and it's a real pleasure sean as always to talk to you and to to spend some time uh, debating and and sharing you know thoughts about this kind of stuff uh for the audience i hope you have a great and resilient new year and we look forward to more conversations with you so thank you all thank you thank you for listening to the show today if you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.